Hello, and welcome to the Warm Podcast, where we discuss the current state and future of the music industry. We talk to some of the most interesting behind-the-scenes leaders, trendsetters, and entrepreneurs who are shaping the music business today. My name is Fabian, and today we'll be talking to Peter Harris, founder of the pioneering new streaming service Resonate. Resonate calls itself the ethical streaming service and sets itself apart from services like Spotify and Apple Music in a number of key ways. Resonate uses a so-called stream-to-own model, which they say is a more fair and transparent way of paying artists for use of their music. This is especially true for upcoming and independent artists. Peter and I discuss these issues as well as the streaming market in general, how Resonate is fighting for a more diverse music industry, and much more. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Could you um, give me a little bit of, of your own background uh, with regards to uh, music and, and, and tech? Uh, what, what's your background? Uh, I sort of had a day job and a night hobby, building websites by day and then doing music stuff at night. And that ranged everything from being in bands to being a singer-songwriter to uh, producing and DJing. And it was just something that was always a part of my life. I mean, I think I certainly had uh, dreams of fame, but it, it has become really clear to me as time has gone on that the real reason for doing all of that was so that I could uh, I could understand, you know, the needs of artists and musicians um, in order to do resonate. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also, I mean, you also released uh, music, uh, is my understanding. Um, and uh, kind of had weren't satisfied with uh, the streaming services that you um, came across. Um, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I've I've worked with pretty much everything um, that's that's ever been around, and uh, I think the common thread through all of that was I'm putting my music there, I'm putting time into it, I'm helping to promote this platform by trying to drive people to go to use it. And yet that's it. You know, you don't get any more participation. And my, the, you know, the, the one story I always go back to is the morning I woke up and found that half of my catalog on SoundCloud was gone, um, that, that they had changed their business model and I would now have to pay to host all of the same files up that I, that I had up. And, you know, all of those experiences really kind of built up over time. And then I've, I've heard enough stories from other friends, you know, about things like not getting paid for three years and they're, they're writing songs for a Grammy winning album and that's in the top 10 and it takes them three to four years to get paid because they're a songwriter. Um, you know, just these horror, horror stories. And it's like, there's just no other industry on earth um i think that takes so long to pay its main supplier <laughs> you know somebody makes a chair and they get paid for the chair um when it's shipped out of the warehouse um you know and and, and maybe in a b2b business to business you might be like you get paid in 30 days you know worst case 60 days um but the fact that artists can get you know, that the payments can come years uh, later is just outrageous. And so, so a lot of, a lot of these different stories really had kind of stored in the back of my mind. And then the, 
when things really switched on is when I got into blockchain and I saw that there was a way that you could have uh, a technology that could have fairness as the core operating system and the core value, um, both in the code and then through the cooperative as the form of the business with the company. And I thought that was the perfect blend um, of the two. And so that's what really inspired me to 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 go after this and decide to do something um, because it really felt like the time is right for something like this. Mm. Um, but I mean, if, if for those who don't know, um, could you just, I mean, like briefly explain how a typical streaming service uh, like Spotify or Apple Music, um, how they work with regards to how artists get paid and why what you felt was wrong with that? Yeah, so... Um How how do artists get paid um, typically on other services? It really depends on who they are. So if you're with a label, you're going through the label and um, your payments will come through them. Um, if you're an independent, you'll be going through an aggregator like DistroKid or CD Baby. And so then the payments can go to you. Um, the thing about delays, payment delays can, it depends on what, um, you know, what, what kind of deal you're in. So there'll be a delay coming from the, the service provider. Then if it goes to a label, there's a, a delay coming from a label. But then there's also the, the publishing side of things, which is as the writer, uh, because in music, excuse me, in music, you have two different types of credits and two different sets of rights. You've got the composition and the, and the uh, master, you know, and so the publishers control the composition rights and Labels or independent artists usually are in control of the master. And so it's more on the publishing side that you see these really long delays. But, you know, some artists, if they're on a major, you know, they can see delays on on uh, on, on payments for the use of the master. So it's 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 bad across the board. But you also, I mean, um, did you also have a problem with like... Um Because on Spotify, you know, it, it if if you, as a as an individual user, are streaming a certain indie band um, uh, almost exclusively, that money doesn't go directly to them. Um, it all goes into like a big um, pot, and it gets divided from that. Yeah, was that also one of the uh, the things you saw uh, was wrong with the other model? Yeah, so I, I had the idea of blockchain and the cooperative. All of that stuff was uh, at the very beginning, and then from there, I spent quite a lot of time researching why were all these artists. And this is like around 2015. Why were all these artists saying that um, the the payment models of all these services are terrible and That's where you have this paradigm of the market share model, as you described. It's, it's all the money goes into a big pot, and it's it's divided up in this through this complex formula, um, and then it's made even worse by uh, Spotify's model of you know uh, uh, ads ad supported versus uh, premium paid supported. Or um, so the um, 
the formula is 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 crazy complicated. It used to be on SpotifyArtist.com. They've they've taken it down. I've never found it again um, since then. Uh, there's a different model called the subscriber share, and that's um, I've apparently Deezer is like very close to implementing it or is trying it out, um, and that's the idea that you you can still have a monthly fee, but your money is distributed amongst those that those artists that you're listening to, and it's on a, it's based on a individual subscriber level instead of this whole giant pile. And I think if we were going to do a monthly streaming model, that's definitely what we would do. Uh, that idea wasn't even around three years ago. So um, what I realized would be the most uh, applicable to blockchain is the idea of credits. Because then you've, if you've got microcredits, then you can um, have the same stream rate for everything. And uh, so you, you just have this clear sense of fairness around every play is a certain price and you know it's always paid for unless the artist says it's free interesting so could you uh, explain the 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 yeah the the stream to own uh, concept which is one of the things that uh, really sets resonate apart yeah it's fairly simple stream to own is basically breaking up the payment of a download over nine plays. And it's a, a nice, gradually increasing scale. Um, so it starts off really cheap when you're just getting to know an artist or a song. And then it gets more expensive when you cross over into being a fan. And same cost as you'd pay for a download. And that's where it's really a better model. Uh, because even if you have subscriber share versus market share, you're still running into this possibility that you're going to be paying like fractions of a penny per play. And economically, this is just, it, there's just no comparison at all. And there's uh, uh, this uh, designer, um, data designer, uh, who runs under this uh, project called Information is Beautiful. Um, they've been doing reports on this for the last couple of years, and they keep updating the numbers. And they, they just did the uh, the update for 2018, and it's, you got to have like to, to earn a minimum wage, um, which in the U.S. is a joke anyway. It's like twelve hundred dollars. It's not even close to what it actually takes to to live and survive. There's very few places in the United States where you can live on twelve hundred dollars. Um, but to make that minimum, you've got to hit something like two hundred to three hundred thousand plays, and um, it, you know. So you really got to like triple that to actually reach a livable wage. And then that doesn't account. Like if you're a band and you've got to split that five ways, you know, and it's just, if you look at the, the, the cost comparison against, uh, you know, physical product and downloads, the economics are just a, a nightmare. It just doesn't compare. So that's what we are also trying to do is to try to find a way to bridge this convenience and low cost of streaming, but then, have some very seamless, easy mechanism to become a fan of something and pay a bit more um, to the to the people who you, whose music you love. Yeah. So so you pay uh, uh, for every stream. You pay a little bit more, and then you stream it uh, a certain amount of times, and then you own it. You get to download it. Is that how it is? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's on repeat plays. You know, you, you it all it's all start it's all the same for every single song. Like this, that's the formula is the same for every song. Um, but uh, you you pay just slightly incrementally more the more you listen to the same song again. And what this does is, is um, it allows you to like not have any pressure at all about just getting to know something and and serving my own uh, interaction and behavior with the service since we started working on it. And, you know, I would say it's probably one in 50 songs that you hear once and you're an instant fan. Um, the majority of the stuff that we come to like and come to, even come to love, it takes listening to it three or four times. And so it's the transition around the fourth, the fifth, the sixth play. That's where the price starts to go up. But at that point, you're either in love with something or you're not. And usually when you're in love with a song and an artist, that's the, you, it's like, you just have to have it. You know, there's a feeling like I, I need to be connected to them in some way. And, you know, so we're a service that's oriented to fans that like to spend money on music because they are out there. This whole myth that nobody pays for music is a complete lie. Um, it's just not true. There's a great deal of market data, data to prove that that's not true. Um, and so that's our target audience. We want people that, that care about artists. They recognize that music is art and culture. It's not content. And they want to support it. Yeah. Because that, 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 that's one of the things that I actually uh, thought about um, when, you, <clears throat> when I you know, read about the, the stream to own. If, if people are still interested in owning music you know in like in the digital space because there's certainly like um you get the impression through the media that that's not the case but you're saying that is the case for some people um i think that it's still too early to say that definitively whether that's that that's the case yeah streaming as a as a viable revenue stream has only had a couple of years you know it's so far away from really being an entrenched paradigm you know it's just it's just but i think that there's new ideas of ownership models or ownership concepts that um we've yet to explore we, we started looking at them for um the the redesign that we're doing at the moment and I'm not going to say exactly what they are, but um, I think there's different ways of owning something or being connected as a supporter that isn't necessarily about moving a file around on your computer. Um, but I mean, that does have you know some advantages of you know bandwidth and stuff. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you it's you want to stream to own or you want to stream to support. Uh, it, this is really about a model where you want to pay for what you love. Um, what about the 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 the, the co-op model, um, where I understand that that if the artists and the users own the streaming service, like uh, they have a share, so everyone kind of owns it together. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, listeners buy their shares, and artists earn their shares by supplying music. And workers, volunteers, and all that also earn a share that way. And this is a very typical model called a worker-consumer co-op. Mm -hmm. So musicians, they do they 
um, I mean, they supply the music and then they have a share. They don't need to be streamed a certain amount or something like that. No, they don't. We, we may have to build in some controls in the future in case, you know, people try to sort of game the system by um, uploading a an audio file of their dishwasher <laughs> okay. and saying it's art. I mean, yeah, uh, but I'm not worried about that too much. No, okay, okay. Um, but but one thing one thing I was um, thinking was that couldn't you argue that if you are an artist who is getting a lot of streams, then it would be more uh, profitable to be on a uh, um, a uh, regular type of streaming service. Um, because at, you you never get to own the track on Spotify, for instance. You just keep streaming. So if you're getting like millions and millions and millions of streams, then that would be more profitable in the long in the long run. Um, not really, because if you look at the numbers, um, we've got some calculations on our stream to own information page. It's actually wrong. It's it's. The number is much higher. Um, we were very, very conservative, uh, very generous with the way we calculated it. And the numbers on our site say that it takes 150 streams to reach the same price as a download. It's really a closer to 200, maybe even 250. We're going to have to re go back and redo the numbers. Um, uh, it's really difficult to get meaningful data as to what they're actually paying because it's it's wildly it's all over the map. Um, I've spent way too much time researching this, and it's almost impossible to find a definitive number. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it a couple hundred plays of the same song to to equal the price of a download, and with resonate, it's nine. So, um, conservatively, we project that artists could earn two and a half times, but it could be much higher than that. It could be more like five to 10. And we're not going to redo those numbers until we've got a lot more data around, you know, actual listening habits and patterns and stuff. But it's, it's a way more amicable than any other service. Okay. And uh, could you uh, explain a little bit more about the blockchain technology? Um, I mean, you, you, the artist get, gets paid instantly um, when they're streamed. Is that correct? They get the, the accounting happens instantly, like oh, the credits show up in their account instantly. So they have like immediate data. Um, but it's going to take a while before it's an instant payment because the only way way you can do that is in crypto and that gets super complicated i do think we're going to evolve there but i think it's going to probably take at least a year year and a half to get there because um it's it's extremely complicated you have to balance out you first you have to have a, a cryptocurrency that's stable against fiat and then you've got to have an inefficient way for people to buy and trade it and it's really not i mean it's not a user-friendly market on the crypto world. So it's going to take a little while. For but in the meantime, it's all, you know, up their balance with euros or pounds or dollars. And and then that's what the artists would get paid in. Yeah, yeah. 
And you also use um, a smart contracts. Is that correct? Uh, we're building a system for a catalog licensing um, framework, which uh, does work with smart contracts. And so in that scenario, the most common example is if you want to um, split up the monies amongst your bandmates on a per song basis, you know, one song it's 50-50, another one it's uh, 60, 10, 10, 20. Um, you could do stuff like that. Um, but it can also, a smart contract can also be used for, or things like um, this is free under certain conditions and costs money under these conditions. So the, the this is also something that's going to take time to evolve because it's an utter, utterly different paradigm um, from what we have now, but uh, we're working on it. Okay. Um, also, I mean, you know, uh, curation um, in the form of playlisting is also a very big thing on the other services. Um, but as I understand it, you, I mean, you, you don't really, you don't really um, like algorithms uh, with regards to music discovery. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I think uh, my hope is that we'll never have any algorithms, which is kind of a bold statement. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, Liz Pelly, who is has to be my favorite journalist in music today, um, she did an expose on this campaign that Spotify had running, or maybe it's still going, at some partnership with Smirnoff for vodka. And it was all about gender, gender balance. And she did a an exhaustive research process, very meticulous and, and like with multiple brand new accounts. And what she found is that the algorithms reinforce, um, the chances that you're going to hear a male artist over a female artist. Unconsciously, the way the system's designed, it creates these self reinforcing feedback loops that, end up um, benefiting certain artists over others. And and uh, in a lot of cases, that is it happens to be those that are male versus female. So that's an example of how algorithmic bias and and the, the structure of systems can lead to some, some really bad um, end results. So my hope is that we'll be able to really offer such a powerful set of curatorial tools that it won't become necessary um, to to discover music through an algorithm. And in the end, I think this is the, you know, the deeper meaning of our project is that it's about community and one essential element are curators. Um, when I look at my own personal music catalog, a huge percentage of it is comes from two or three people that I know and they were the curators in my life they were the the couple of friends that said you need to listen to this and when I did it blew my mind and so we we've only seen the beginnings of that with playlist culture uh, we're going to take it a whole lot farther but so so that's uh, uh, you, you plan on using the community more uh, so they can kind of curate to each other, so to speak. Yeah, 
but it's it's got some very unique aspects uh, to our service, um, which uh, they won't get anywhere else. Um, I'm going to wait to uh, to describe what that is <laughs> until it's it's till it's launched. Yeah, um, but I mean, um, in um, Moving on from that, I mean, you also, I've read you, uh, you've talked a lot about like inclusion and diversity um, with regards to uh, Resonate. Uh, like you want to create an inclusive environment. What, what does that mean, like more uh, specifically? It's across the board. I mean, it's about what's going to go out in terms of our promotional efforts, but it's about looking at what are the structures of our systems. So can we can we build them in a way that is not going to uh, support one type of artist? Um, it's it's things like that. But to me, it's also about a long-term vision of you know looking at some of the systemic problems that exist both in music and in tech. So it might be that, like one of the things we're we're very, very cautious about is uh, gender diversity on the panels that we speak on um, because the music industry has been horrible in this regard. You know, having these all-male panels or having three guys and one woman or four guys and a woman. Um, it, and it, it's been historically really, really bad. Sherry Hughes, another great music journalist who did a, a long analysis on that and found how um, horribly biased the industry is towards men. So, you know, this is a way that we can stand out and make a difference. Um, but I'm also like thinking long-term in terms of um, building up programming resources and going into communities that don't historically have any outreach in, in, in that regard and finding clever ways to find the best and the brightest minds um, so again, these are things that are kind of more long term. So, not not much point in getting into too much detail at this point. But it's it's something that we're constantly asking ourselves questions about and exploring. We're living what we what we what we speak.